Nikki Haley loses to nobody. Horrible border bill is killed by Congress. And Tucker Carlson is a traitor. All that and more on today's episode of Contemporary Insanity. The views expressed in this episode do not represent the opinions or values of Kentucky Wesleyan College. Please don't sue us. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Braden Jennings. And I'm John Payment. And welcome back to this week's episode of Contemporary Insanity, a show that highlights and discusses the realm of American politics and interviews guests on the origins of their own political beliefs. All right. The first thing we're going to talk about today is Nikki Haley's performance in the Nevada primary. Now, we talked previously on the show about how Nevada's primary was weird. It was split into a caucus that was controlled by the Republican Party and a traditional primary, which was controlled by the state. Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, and Mike Pence were on the state-run primary ballot. All the other Republican candidates were on the Republican Party-run ballot that actually counts. So, Nikki Haley and Trump are the only two people left in the race whose names were up for grabs and they were on opposite ballots. However, a few days ago, when the state-run primary happened, there was an option on that ballot for none of these candidates. And none of these candidates won with 60% of the vote. Nikki Haley got 30% of the vote. So Nikki Haley literally lost to no one. Now we have to think, if this primary is meaningless, who are the people that are going to go out for it? It's going to be the people that really support Nikki Haley, and it's going to be the people that really hate Nikki Haley. So that means double the amount of people that support Nikki Haley hate her enough to go to a primary that does not matter to vote for nobody. This is how unpopular Nikki Haley is in the Republican Party. The Republicans are done with her type of politics. The Republicans are done with endless wars. The Republicans are done with sending expeditionary forces across the world to get involved with random wars. Trump changed the party. The people of the Republican Party want to stay in America and want to focus on making America great. They do not care about the rest of the world. The rest of the world does not matter to the average Trump voter. Nikki Haley is running on Ukraine. Republicans don't care. That's not a war that has any value to the average American. If Russia wins the war, it stops there. Putin does not have the capability to fight a NATO power, even without America getting involved. Europe alone could beat Russia. The average American does not care about the wars in the Middle East. Ron Paul's Tea Party movement forced Republicans into that change. We do not care about wars for oil. We do not care about nation building around the world. We care about America. And Trump's platform is to care about America, but to also not be an isolationist, which is important. If you're an isolationist, you show the world you're weak. Trump is bringing back Reagan-style foreign policy. He is bringing back negotiating when possible, striving for peace, and bombing people when they need it. Most of the time, people don't need bombs. Most of the time, you can get what you want from other countries by negotiating with them and keeping that threat of I'll drop a nuke on your head if you do something I don't like. That was Trump's foreign policy. And because Trump is so unpredictable as a person, 
the foreign nations didn't know what to do with that. They didn't know if Trump was being serious. He'd negotiate for a while and then kill an Iranian general out of nowhere. He wasn't getting us involved in full-scale wars. He wasn't fully funding wars against other great powers. He was showing everyone to stay away from America because we were focusing on ourselves, but we could still kill you if we wanted to. That is what the American people support. The American people do not support invading random countries like the Bush administration did and the Obama administration did, and they do not support giving money to our enemies, which the Biden administration is doing now. Talking about the Biden administration, the so-called bipartisan, or use big quotes on bipartisan, border bill was just killed in the Senate. And this is great because while you may hear on the media that this bill would improve border security, only like half the bill is actually about border security. This is a 370-page bill. And we'll talk about some of what's in that bill. First off, the media, this is ABC News, CNN, MSNBC, all say that the bill would make it harder for people to seek asylum. That's not what the bill says. The bill says they will not need a judge to seek asylum. It will be delegated to bureaucrats. Most bureaucrats agree with the open border policies of the Biden administration. Most Democrats don't see a problem with letting a bunch of random people into this country. Most bureaucrats are on board with the ongoing human trafficking operations that are run by this administration. If we give this power to the bureaucrats, it will mean more people come to this country, not less. This bill also proposes allowing 5,000 illegal immigrants a day. 5,000 a day. Right now, we're close to 10,000 a day. But it's 5,000 a day before they even think about closing the border. This is illegal immigrants a day. So that's not even counting the thousands of legal immigrants that are coming here a day. 5,000 a day is 1.8 million a year. 1.8 million a year. That is adding a large city's population to this nation every year of people that are not willing to follow our laws. How do I know they're not willing to follow our laws? Because they're coming here illegally. Their first act in this country is breaking our laws. The bill would also allow everyone already in this country work permits. This will flood the market with labor that we do not have demand for in this country. Right now, our country does not produce very much. Most jobs in our country are middle management jobs. We do not have a market in this country for millions and millions of unskilled laborers to join our job force. There are people in this country that need those unskilled labor jobs. This bill would also codify catch and release into law. Catch and release is the program where when Border Patrol picks someone up crossing the border, they're given a court date, 
and then led into this country. Over 20% of illegal immigrants do not show up for the court date that they are assigned. So let's think about that. If this bill will allow 5,000 illegal immigrants a day before even thinking about shutting down the border, there will probably be days where it gets higher than that, and we could probably be getting up to 2 million illegal immigrants a year. Now let's say, so all 2 million of these people are caught and released into this country and given a court date to show up. 20% of them don't show up. That is over 400,000 illegal immigrants that do not show up for their court date. And likely, the government does not know where they are. So that's people that got into this country that we don't have tabs on. These are people that have already shown that they do not have a regard for our laws. This is a problem, and we need to realize that it is a problem. Most Americans do. Every American needs to know that if we let a bunch of random people into this country without verifying them, without forcing them to go through the process, without reinstating remain in Mexico, there will be issues. This is how the Roman Empire fell. The Roman Empire fell because its borders got weak and they let a bunch of immigrants in from the north. The immigrants weakened their society and it collapsed. In America today, we should let immigrants in. This is a land of immigrants. This is a melting pot. But we need to control the amount of immigrants that come in, and we need to make sure that they assimilate to our society. If they do not assimilate to our society, it will cause problems. People with two different cultures cannot share the same land. This is a lesson we have learned time and time again throughout history. We cannot be a hundred different Americas under one government. We need to be one America under the government. This bill also, instead of protecting our border, gives $60 billion to Ukraine to continue their war. $60 billion to continue a war that has no end in sight. And America will not give them an end. We will not tell them that we are cutting them off. We continue to send money. We have sent them hundreds of billions of dollars. We will not tell them this war needs to end. This money we are sending them is skimmed off the top. People make themselves rich. Zelensky's wife goes on a shopping spree in the middle of a war. Some of this money is also going to prop up the Ukrainian private markets. We are subsidizing Ukrainian companies with your tax dollars. This isn't something that can go on forever. This is something that needs to end. This is something that threatens to escalate into a greater war that no one wants. No one wants 
a World War III. No one wants their sons and daughters sent over to Europe to die. We should not be cheering on escalation. We should not be cheering on war. We've done what we can for the Ukrainian people. Now it is their war to fight. If they can win it, they can win it. If they can't, they can't. Our main priority should be to keep peace. If we keep peace, we can build prosperity at home. When we aren't sending our money to the four corners of the earth, we can keep it in America and we can make our economy stronger. This bill also gives $14 billion to Israel. Israel's government runs at a surplus. Israel does not need our help. Israel is in a war with a tiny terrorist group within its own borders. We don't need to be buying Israel bombs. They can do that themselves. They can put themselves into debt. It is not an American issue what is going on in Israel. We are also giving $10 billion to Gaza. So we're effectively funding both sides of this Israel-Gaza war. And you can say in Gaza it's for humanitarian aid, but the government in Gaza is Hamas. If you give them stuff, Hamas takes it, and we are supporting their war effort against Israel. We cannot support both sides of a war. We shouldn't even be supporting one side. Why are we supporting both? It makes no sense. They're throwing away your money. It also gives $4 billion to Taiwan. Is Taiwan America? No. Why are we giving them money? Again, makes no sense. They make our computer chips. We have the capability to make them here. We can move factories here, but we don't. The globalist agenda being pushed by the people in power is weakening America. We are raising up the rest of the world while letting ourselves sink. This isn't a coincidence. They believe in one equitable world. One world where everyone has the same outcome. If everyone has the same outcome, it's not going to be good. If we try to give everyone in the world the same outcome, everyone will suffer. And when you listen to them, that is their plan. A quote from one of their ads that went viral was, you will own nothing and you will be happy because you won't understand anything else. You will not own your house. You will not own your car. You will not own the things you use on a daily basis. You will rent them. You will borrow them from the government. And you will think that is normal and you will be happy. Speaking of foreign war, the entire media has called Tucker Carlson a traitor to his nation for interviewing Vladimir Putin. Now, I'm not really a fan of Tucker Carlson. I've never really watched his videos. I've seen a few of his ex-videos with interesting people, but I don't agree with most of what he says. However, he is a journalist. Journalists are allowed to do journalism. Part of doing journalism is interviewing people from opposing viewpoints. During World War II, a journalist interviewed Hitler. 
American journalists have interviewed Putin before. We are not actively at war with Russia. There is no reason why we should stop a journalist from doing journalism. And everyone is losing their mind over this. I've seen some people on Twitter call it the next stage of Putin's interference with Trump. Welcome to an election year. They're bringing back Trump-Russia collusion. Which is a form of election denying that is okay. It's all nonsense. It's all complete nonsense. Stopping journalists from pursuing their stories brings us one step closer to complete censorship. And censorship does not have to come from a government level. You can have community censorship, where people are censored just by being unpopular, so they are widely kicked out. This is the tyranny of the majority. If the majority opinion, a pure majority opinion, is allowed to persuade, the minority is oppressed by the majority. In a free society, like America is supposed to be, we are supposed to allow the minority opinion to have a voice. This is why our government is set up in the way it is. This is why we have an electoral college. This is why we have a senate. The average American does not want to be held down by the big cities, by the big population centers where these bad ideas fester, where bad ideas have festered forever. Something to keep your eyes on this week. The hearings are currently going on in Trump's Supreme Court case. This is the case where he was kicked off the ballot in Colorado, so he brought it to the Supreme Court. Now, this could go in a few ways. One, the Supreme Court can completely side with Colorado. I don't see that happening. I don't see them saying, yes, Trump did take part in an insurrection, therefore he can't be on the ballot. That is not a logical position for the Supreme Court to take right now. That would, that would destroy their credibility with everyone. They could also take the I don't want to get involved road and point to the Constitution and say states have final say. Now this would have this would have consequences. If states have final say, what's stopping Republican states from pulling Joe Biden off the ballot? What's stopping a state from taking both people off the ballot and have an RFK win magically. While the Constitution does say that states have the right to administer an election, the federal government is the body that decides eligibility. So while a state decides the processes... It does not get to decide to disqualify someone based on a federal rule. And because in the 14th Amendment, it alludes to Congress having the authority to get rid of the restriction, logically you can say that Congress is the only person that can impose that restriction. And the federal Congress having the final say in eligibility 
is probably going to be the opinion that the Supreme Court takes because while that will ruffle some feathers, it will also protect elections in the future. Trump is a character that completely flipped how politics was thought of. Politics used to be seen by the average American as great leaders, as people with ideas that were trying to get something done in this country. People used to look at the president and be proud and think that even though he's on the other side, he's my president and he's doing what he believes is best for this country. Trump showed up and started throwing grenades at everything. He completely destroyed the average American's opinion on the government. Whether you're on the right or the left, if you're on the left, you had four years where you believed the president was illegitimate, where you despised everything that the president did, where you were told on your news that the president was a evil dictator that was going to destroy your life if you didn't stop him. And if you were on the right and you listened to Trump, you got this understanding, or at least you got the impression that the people in power are not working for the average American. The people in power keep their power by keeping you down. Because both sides have that mindset of not trusting the government, because we made this shift so dramatically from how politics has been viewed in the past as some people in their ivory towers doing shit, now it's some dude on the toilet tweeting random stuff, we are in the position in this country to make real revolutionary changes. And it's important for the young people involved in politics now to understand the power that they have in creating a future, depending on which side can capitalize on this revolutionary time period, America will be changed for a hundred years. And with that, I'll end the show. See you next week on Contemporary Insanity.